You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tuesday before Heroes Con, and I'm really super excited, not just because of Heroes Con, but because right now I'm doing something I've never, ever, ever done before. I just finished recording the conversation for this episode of the Needless Things podcast, the 26th episode, and I am now recording the introduction, and I am going to edit it all together and produce it and do whatever other fancy technical terms uh, for doing computer stuff that I'm not very good at. You might want to throw in there because I want to get this done and ready to go for next Tuesday and because I'm still excited about the conversation with Lego Master Builder Chris Steininger. Gur. I asked him before we started talking uh, if it was Steininger or Steininger. Or actually, I said, hey, man, can you say your name so I don't mess it up? And then as once we started the interview, I was all excited and stuff, which you will definitely hear at the beginning of the interview. And I didn't say his last name anyway because I was like, ah, he just told me I'm going to mess it up anyway. So Steininger. And uh, it was a great talk, man. I have always had a profound admiration for the Lego Master Builders, even before I knew there were Lego Master Builders. I, I've seen their stuff. It's around. It's at exhibitions. It's in Disney Village and Walt Disney World. You see it all over the place, if you're a nerd anyway. If you're a nerd that goes places that might have giant Legos uh, or giant things built out of Lego bricks, then then you've seen their work. And if you've been to a toy store opening or, or anything like that, like that stuff's there. And Chris was a very cool guy, and he has a very cool job. He gets paid to design and build things out of Lego bricks. Lego bricks, not Legos. Lego bricks. Uh, which is one of the things I have learned from interacting with the folks at Lego. And the whole reason I got to talk to Chris Steininger was that I reached out to the people running the Lego Kids Fest, which will be here in Atlanta this weekend at the Cobb Galleria Center. Um, the whole reason that I did this is because we're going to Lego's Kid, Lego Kids Fest, and I'm going to cover that, and I've gotten some documentation about you know specific things about Legos that I'm sure my buddy Noel, who is uh, the Lego master, knows all about. But, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about Lego. Actually, now that I mention it, I'm sure contributor R.T. Yule knows all of these things as well. Terminology for specific bricks and and how to talk about Lego and, and all that kind of stuff. And I've got a profound respect for just what Lego does. Because it's a company that's all about people having fun and being creative. And that's awesome. I appreciate that. Before I get any further, let me mention, of course, that you can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher, which is pretty amazing. Uh, that whole thing, I'm still not quite sure. I'm on iTunes, man. You guys know how I feel about i stuff, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? iTunes and Stitcher, check them out, download it. Spread the word. That's the most important thing. If you enjoy this episode or any other episode, spread the word about the Needless Things podcast. And it will lead to uh, many more interesting interviews like I had today. So Chris was a great guy. We talked about Lego. We talked about his history with just the brand and with being a master builder. We had a cool conversation that, that I thoroughly enjoyed, and I think you guys are really going to dig it too. And it went on 
you know, I wasn't sure going into this type of thing, you know, people, you're like, hey, uh, so we're going to talk and do a little interview. And, and I'm sure sometimes they talk for a few minutes to people. And, and for me, everybody's interesting. So I, I you know, I want to give the guy an episode. I, I, hey, you know, I'll give you 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. Uh, I'll do the whole episode for you. So you don't know how people are going to do with talking to a stranger for 45 minutes. You don't know if like, hey, why are we talking for so long? I just wanted to talk about the kids fest and dip out. And, uh, but we, we ended up talking for a while. We got some cool stuff about the, the history of the master builders, which I didn't realize how mysterious the master builders actually are. And uh, we got to talk about the Kids Fest right at the end, so hang in there for that so you can find out what Chris and what Chris's dad, Dan, who's also a master builder, uh, what those guys are going to be doing at the Lego Kids Fest. Uh, it's going to be a good time, man. I mean, Lego is basically putting on a big giant Lego party right here in Atlanta, and it's something you don't want to miss. So there you go. I don't really have much more to talk about right now. I've got a pack for Heroes Con. I've got my packing list so I don't forget my costumes again. Uh, I've got to do all that. So I will be back possibly as soon as later this week, probably more like early next week, with one or possibly more podcasts from Heroes Con because I'm already arranging right now to talk to some folks up there. I think what's probably going to happen is we're going to have a podcast just with me and some surprise guests talking about nerd stuff, and then I'll also have one of the interviews like I did last year. I, that one I don't have concrete plans for because I really enjoyed just kind of winging it last year. But anyway, that's later. What we've got right now... Chris Steininger, Lego Master Builder. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome. We live in our dreams. Have you heard the news? Everyone's talking. Life is good because everything's awesome. Lost my job. It's a new opportunity. More free time for my awesome community. I feel more awesome than an awesome possum. Get my body in charge. Three years later, I shot the frost in. Smelling like a blossom. Everything is awesome. Stepped in mud, got new brown shoes. Awesome to win and it's awesome to lose. Hey, Phantomaniacs, it is time for another episode of the Needless Things Podcast, and I've got something exciting and new going on today. Uh, I'm actually going to be covering the Legos Kids Fest coming up this weekend in Atlanta. And it's an exciting thing for me because I'm kind of doing a pre uh, official press stuff, which is not something uh, I I've done in quite this capacity before. I've had some great conversations with their representatives. Uh, we're very excited about going and covering the thing. And today I am talking with somebody that, that quite frankly, before this point, uh, I, I wasn't even aware of as more than this entity that was out there making these things. Because you go to... Uh, you go to Walt Disney World and the Disney Village and you see these massive Lego constructs or you go to the mall or the Lego store and you see the life-size Darth Vader and things like that and you know those don't come out of a box <laughs> somebody sits down and designs those things and figures out all of the different bricks that they're going to need and how to put them together and I've always wondered who are these people the, who who has the foresight to figure out how to make a seven-foot-tall Darth Vader out of Lego bricks. It's insane. <laughs> well, guess what? Today, I am talking to one of the people who does those things. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris. Uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit, and then we'll get down to business. Yeah, so my name is Chris Steingun. Believe it or not, I am a Lego master builder. And believe it or not, I get paid to play with Lego, and that happens to be the best part about it. <laughs> That's kind of awesome, man. Um. It's so you are a Lego master builder. Yep. What I understand is there are only seven of you guys in the United States. Correct. Correct. There's a small group of us, so it's a it's a pretty tough job to get. How? Obviously, I mean, I'm sure you got into Legos as a kid. Uh and and Legos. It's interesting because how old are you? I'm 30 years old. Okay. Okay. So you're 
you're coming from right around the same time as me that, that this is before pre-licensed Legos. Uh, <laughs> or, or prior to when Legos started licensing brands like Lord yeah. of the Rings and yep. Marvel Comics and that kind of stuff. And I, I was the kid that bought like the Lego Robin Hood's tree fort set. Mm-hmm. I put it together and if a part fell off or it got taken apart or fell down or anything, I, I was beside myself. I couldn't handle <laughs> that. I wanted to put it together and it was for the rest of my life going to be Robin Hood's tree fort. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very much Will Ferrell's character from the Lego movie. <laughs> To the point where when it turned out he was the bad guy, I was kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, but you're clearly not that guy. You have a creative capability that I can't even imagine. What What was your start with Legos? Like, what were some of your first sets? What What sparked your so, Lego love? So, actually, to, to bring it back a little bit, I am kind of that guy because when we build our models... <laughs> We actually have to glue them together. I hate to say it. All those models you see oh. that you were talking about are all glued together. So we are, <laughs> uh, we're not really using craggle per se, but we are, uh, using our own solvent that actually melts a Lego brick and creates that welded bond. So unfortunately we are that guy, but in the end, uh, there's only one way to build those models and that is to glue them because we, we have models traveling all over the world and, and if we didn't glue them, they wouldn't, wouldn't survive to, uh, be able to be viewed by all our, uh, fans. Sure, but I I was never the guy that took those sets and saw other things in them. And yes, you yes. are definitely that guy. Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely a fun job. We really do get to be creative. So not only do massive builders really uh, create the actual uh, models that you guys see, but we also have to be involved with creation of the displays that they go in. Uh, so we'll design the steel that's inside of the models as well. So we kind of are pretty diverse in what we do here. Now, what's your background? What kind of, I mean, is there any kind of like engineering or anything in that? Or is it purely just, I know how to put Legos together? So I, I grew up playing with Legos. So I'm, I've been playing with Legos since I was at least six, seven years old, if not younger. And so, so that was really the base of, of where I, you know, started that creative background. Uh, I actually have more of a background on, uh, I'd say the more the engineering side. So I have a background in woodworking, furniture making, carpentry. So not only do I build with Lego, but I build with wood as well. So that, I mean, that stuff as far as just how to put things together and proportion and, and the way that different sized things fit together, I mean, that's that's played into your, your Lego building. Absolutely, absolutely. What was the first project you did for Lego? Yeah, the first project I did was actually as an intern during high school. So... Uh, I don't know uh, we, how much your uh, fans know about what you've told them so far, but I actually have a father who's a massive model builder as well. So he was able to get me into Lego as an intern during high school, and uh, that was really where I started building the really the base of the skills that you need to do uh, to have to be a massive builder. So my first actual project then was the construction of a well, a larger than life Christmas tree. It was about twelve or 14 foot tall Christmas tree and that was oh, a wow. it was a pretty involved tree it was a lot of repetitive work but it, w- it was good for me it was really a way to, to build some skills yeah and that's what I would imagine you would have to start with with things that are you know a massive Christmas tree like that I, I hesitate to call it basic <laughs> no it wasn't but basic it's, it's not the same as as uh, say for instance knowing what a star destroyer looks like and then having to recreate that to a certain Lego scale. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, so getting in as an intern, so you were one of the guys, because one of my favorite videos I've seen on YouTube uh, for one of the Doctor Who exhibitions, uh, they created a life-size Dalek out of Legos, and they have a construction video of the team putting the thing together. Mm-hmm. So you have some kind of massive storeroom of just different color bricks like sorted bricks what does this place look like yeah so we actually have uh, so we have a few different places that we store our brick uh right immediately in our area here i can actually kind of show you here by turning my computer but you see that back there those are my brick caddies so those have a bunch basically a bunch of uh sorted out elements um but once we get into doing larger models, we'll actually uh, go into our brick storage area, which is uh, in the area behind me, 
and it's essentially a warehouse area just full of big, big bins that are all sorted out full of Lego bricks. So it's kind of, the best way to describe it is more, more or less a warehouse with, with large boxes. Now, how do these things come? Do you just get massive shipments of specific bricks and store them there? Or is there actual sorting going on? Do you get kind of, here's the crate of six peg, you know, green, red, whatever? Yep. So generally, no, they all come in, we get them in box quantities. So we'll get, uh, we call them P-boxes, which are roughly about 13 inches by 16 inches by about uh, 24 inches long. And and they come into us all pre-sorted with one brick size in it. So it'll have two by fours in it or a two by six yellows or two by eight yellows. And then from there, we'll just take it and put it into some other more uh, substantial boxes, some actual plastic bins. And uh, that's where we actually fill our trays out of. So um, they, they come all pre-sorted and on pallets of and, – and the pallets can be mixed with different bricks on them, but – but each box is its own uh, own size and color. So starting off as a kid, yeah, you said six or seven, and it's funny because my son's six, and he has uh, – we had a deal where he didn't get any Legos until he read me a book of my choosing that, he, <laughs> that he'd never read before. So it wasn't any kind of memory thing. He had to sit down and read the book, and now the Lego floodgates are open. We're buying him Lego sets, and he's really <laughs> – He's not like me. He builds whatever he wants. Like he'll the first time around, he'll build the ship or whatever it might be. But after that, it's it's fair game. Uh, so you you were starting around the same age. What do you remember? Any specific sets that really like excited you or were kind of favorites or anything? Yeah, absolutely. My all time favorite set growing up was when I was a little bit older, actually, probably about twelve or thirteen. But it was the uh, Technic space shuttle. By far my most favorite set, and probably uh, is to this very day. I uh, the one thing that I don't uh, don't like about it right now is that I don't have it. It's somewhere in pieces, <laughs> uh, in pieces, uh, in, in a big bin at my house, and uh, I honestly haven't had the time to sort through it to rebuild it. But it's uh, that is by far my all time favorite. The technical. So did show. you? Would you uh, put them together and take them apart and put them back together, or did they kind of, like, you do the, okay, I've put done what I'm supposed to do with this thing, now it's time to think of other stuff to build? Like, how, how what was your play pattern with the Lego? You know, I had a little bit of both, a little bit of both. So there were certain sets that I did like to keep together if it was a set that I really liked, like the Space Shuttle. Um, I, I kept it for a long time. But then eventually they'd all get taken apart and then be be brought into uh, the big pot, the big pile of brick and eventually uh, built into something else entirely different. So do you have, because uh, I've a good buddy of mine, actually the guy that got me started podcasting uh, does, he, he'll buy sets, build the thing and then break them all up into bins very similar to what you've got behind you there. Um, and he has built, he's got a room in his house that's just a city that he's created from scratch. All stuff, he's he's built some local businesses and things. Like, he, he very much has a mind, again, that, that I can't even comprehend yeah, yeah. as far as creating from Lego. Have you got your own kind of spot of, of personal projects that you've done like that? Uh, most of my stuff is here in the office. I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't do much building, actually, at home anymore. Uh, it just comes down to... I'm, not all legoed out, but I I do it all day long. So it's one yeah, of those yeah. things where when I go home, I'll I'll go mountain biking or I'll go uh, I'll go I work. I just finished building a boat, a wooden boat. So uh, nice. So I we do other stuff normally when I get home. That's that's this is just so you know this is an amazing coincidence. Two podcasts in a row now. I'm talking to somebody who's just finished building a boat. <laughs> that uh, is my ironic. Last, my last interview was with a gentleman named Tim Clark who worked on uh, Dark Crystal and a lot of different Muppet projects. All right. And he just finished building a kayak. Very <laughs> so cool. This, this is an unusual coincidence, particularly <laughs> for my for my non-crafty self. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it's your job. So, yeah, of course, you, you don't necessarily want to go home and, and do Lego stuff. Um, how, how long have you been working as a master builder for Lego? I've been working as a master builder for five years and uh, full-time at LEGO for about seven years. 
what what are some of the projects that you've worked on? I think uh, a Lightning McQueen got forwarded to me. Yeah, yeah. What what are what are some other things that you've done? So Lightning McQueen is uh, definitely one of the cooler models that we've built. He's actually going to be at Lego Kids Fest in Atlanta there. And uh, he's actually a life-size, so full-size, 12 foot long, about 6 foot wide, about 5 feet tall. Uh, a very dynamic looking model. Great pose to him and just really cool looking. Uh, I've worked on everything from uh, life-size, or not life-size, but larger than life-size, about a 12 foot tall Neptune or Poseidon. Uh, with his trident stuck into the sand and a bunch of sea creatures and everything swirling around him. Uh, I've worked on uh, life's, uh, a large-scale um, Big Apple that we actually unveiled or built in New York City in uh, Rockefeller Center for the grand opening of a Lego store there. So there's endless things I've, I've been involved with. Uh, I don't know if you heard about it, but the uh, life-size X-Wing fighter that we actually built last year and uh, unveiled in New York City in, si- in Times Square. It was actually 45 feet long by 45 feet from wingtip to wingtip and weighed in at around uh, 26 tons, I believe. Oh, my gosh. So it was wow. It was big. It was really big. You can actually sit up in the cockpit. How do you what, – what is the beginning of planning something like that? I mean, I, I can't even comprehend. How many bricks was that thing? So that model came in at somewhere, I believe, around 17 million pieces. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's uh, that's the hour. 17,000 hours to build it. It was around 5.3 million or something like that. So uh, that's a lot. A lot of bricks. What kind of, uh, what kind of knowledge of bricks do you have? I mean, do you right now just sort of thinking about it, do you feel like you know pretty much every brick that – every brick and component that lego produces or do you do you have to refer to some kind of master list constantly there there's definitely people within the model shop here out of the seven of us that are those types of people that like remember every brick uh, eric versaghi is one of them and he just is the brick master as far as it comes to uh knowledge of all the different bricks um i'm not one of them <laughs> there's there's over 8,000 different Lego pieces in the uh, in the line, so you can imagine. That's a lot to remember. Sure, but, sure. Uh, but Eric Eric is definitely that person when it comes to bricks. Um, but I have pretty good grasp of all the different types of elements that are out there. But um, mm-hmm. we only actually carry about 4,000 or so here in a model shop. So when you're doing something, I mean, life-size X-Wing, it, it boggles the mind, but do you have... Different team members take on different portions of it, or does one person sit down and kind of figure out the scale? How, how does that work? Yeah, for the most part, when we start a big project, or any project for that matter, we'll actually start with uh, a concept phase. So we'll actually have a customer within LEGO that will come to us ask us, all right, we'd like you to build uh, Jack Sparrow. And uh, what we'll do at that point is do some concept drawings of it, come up with uh, what we think he should look like and then from there we'll give it to customer and customer will say all right we'd like him to have his arm a little bit higher and we'll say well we can't do that because someone's going to rip the arm off and and we'll come to a, a middle ground on the pose and eventually uh come up with a um a 3d mesh of him that we'll design in a program called maya which is a 3d modeling software and uh we'll show them that picture and say all right is this really what you want and eventually, uh, we'll take and import that 3D mesh from Maya into our program called Lego Brick Builder, which turns that mesh into one-by-one one bricks. So it essentially shows you an outer skin of the model, entirely made out of Lego. And it's up to us to pick the right bricks and whatnot to actually build the model. It doesn't show you, all right, you need a 2x4 brick here, or you need a 2x6 brick there. And it doesn't show you what orientation it has going either. So it's really up to the builders and the master builders to uh, to build the model so it'll be sh- solid enough to be able to transport around. Interesting. So the the program kind of bricks it out, but then you guys have to figure out the part, like the bricks to go into. It. Absolutely. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So what is when you guys get a project? Uh, well, actually, you know what? First of all. What kind of projects, because we've got the Lego Discovery Center here in Atlanta, yep. 
and that's got a lot of uh, constructs in it. Is that the sort of thing you guys work on, or do you do more exhibition-type pieces? Yeah, so a lot of what they have there, including their mini land, we do stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But we also do more of the bigger models. We're really involved with a lot of high-profile, large-scale models. So if they need to have something built uh, that's going to be used in a lot of media purposes and stuff like that, chances are they're going to come to our model shop. There's actually a bigger model shop than us over in the Czech Republic with about 200 model builders. And uh, and it's just a big, big model shop. And they do most of the stuff you would see at a Legoland Park. So they're doing a lot of repetitive work where we here in uh, Enfield are really uh, down to the one-off. So we do the special one-off type models. Okay, okay, I got you. So the uh, we, we'll see. So let's say they've got in the Lego stores, they've got the life-size Darth Vader. Is that something that might be kind of reproduced several times and just shipped out to Lego stores as opposed to being kind of a key piece like the Lightning McQueen or the X-Wing? Yeah, those ones... Uh, generally the life-size human-type models. There might be multiples of those because they're just easier to send around. Uh, but where Light McQueen, he's a one and only, and he was designed here uh, and built here. So uh, chances are, even with that Darth Vader, we could have designed him and uh, built the original one, and then subs- subsequent ones might have been built out of our other model shop. Sure, okay, okay. Now, and just to reiterate, that Lightning McQueen will be at the Lego Kids Fest here in Atlanta uh, this coming weekend. Yep. Uh, yep, absolutely. So, with Lego, uh, I mentioned earlier the licensed stuff. I think it's very interesting to sort of look at the evolution of the company because now Lego is kind of the one-stop toy line for so many different licenses. You have Marvel and DC under the same roof with Lord of the Rings, with uh, although they're not currently producing anything, but Indiana Jones and Star Wars. They've really gone after some, some big, powerful licenses, and it's made a huge difference, I think, in Lego's presence in the toy aisles because you might see one brand kind of lose space or move around, but the Lego aisle is always the Lego aisle. Absolutely. How important, what kind of change do you think it was for Lego to start licensing things? And, you, and do you really, uh, do you have any kind of background on how that happened? Yeah, I don't have a ton of background on how that happened, but I just know that as Lego got more popular uh, over the past, oh, I'd say eight years or so, of course everyone wants to be a part of uh, the new hot item. And uh, Lego definitely, uh, from the early 2000s, uh, has grown immensely. And uh, when you're when you're the hot item, everyone would like to be a part of you, and it makes getting those licenses and and creating those relationships a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the Lego video games also have, have had a massive impact. Absolutely. There, there some. Have you played any of those? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely the Batman ones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing how great those games are whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult they're kind of the pixar of video games yep absolutely so are you will be here in atlanta at the kids fest is that correct that is correct as well as my father so we'll have the father-son duo there that weekend what what is the history you know speaking of your dad how, how long was he with lego so he has been with lego for over 20 years believe it or not Oh wow! So yeah, so he actually uh, started uh, probably when I was around nine years old. Range is when he got his job at Lego, and uh, he actually um, got a job. Well, the interview through a friend of his who worked at Lego, so he was able to get get him an interview in a model shop, and he uh, rose to ranks himself to become a massive builder. Now, what was his background going in? Uh, he has an art background as well okay. as a creative background, uh, entertainment. Uh, he used to uh, be an actor out in L.A. and all that stuff. So he's, uh, we're all, all the mass builders all have a very different background than what you would expect uh, to be uh, doing what we do. So uh, another mass builder, Steve Gerling, has, uh, is a fine wood carver. So it's, it's kind of, is we're kind of all pretty diverse. Another one, Paul Sean, he used to be a firefighter. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it really, there is no, 
set path to become a uh, mass builder or my, um, designer for Lego. What what is the history exactly of the master builders? I mean, I'm I'm sure, you know, in one form or another, Lego has has had. It, I, I would guess the roots go all the way back to the guys that are actually designing the sets for sale at retail. What what's the history there? So uh, Lego was actually created uh, over in Denmark by a man named Ole Kirk Christensen, and he was actually the founder and creator of Lego uh, about 82 years ago. So. Um, Ever since then, there's always been some sort of, actually, someone designing the actual sets. So someone's always designed the sets. And, and mass builders and set designers are pretty similar in what they do. It's just really uh, it's down to what type of building they're doing. So uh, the set designers are really working on small-scale set design that you would see in stores, where mass builders don't really do any of that. We're, we're very uh, much into the large-scale, more of a sculpting side of stuff. So that's, sure. that's a big difference between Denmark, uh, which is where you know 99% of the sets are designed, uh, and then here in Enfield, as well as our other model shop in the Czech Republic, where it's mostly uh, all about uh, sculpting and not so much about, I guess you could say it's engineering sets. Um, sure. So, yeah, that's uh, basically the difference. And as as far as the how, how long has Lego had the actual title of of master builder? No one knows. <laughs> it's, that's one of those questions you can ask back, uh, you know, to my father and to some of the other master builders that have been here a long time. And I, we don't really know who the first one was, or oh, wow, or uh, or when it was the title was actually created. It's more or less a U.S. title, though. Um, okay, it's. Over in Denmark, their mass builders are designers. They're uh, Lego designers, so they don't really have the master builder title. Wow, so there's there's this, like, shroud of, of mystery around the title of master builder. There kind That's of great. is. There kind of is. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so work in, the, I mean, do you travel pretty much all over the place to, to do exhibits and, and to sort of promote things or do you mostly just work in the shop what what kind of schedule do you have so i'd say probably my year is probably split up 50 50 uh, about half travel half in the office here doing uh actual models and stuff so when i go out and travel not only will i do lego kids fest but i'll go and do grand openings at lego stores where we'll actually build uh an eight foot tall model to comm- commemorate the actual opening of the store so we'll uh, build a R2D2 or a Yoda or or some large eight foot tall model. Sure. Um, as well as I I do lots of installs as well. So when we have all these models, uh, a lot of times they have to go out to the location, whether or not it's a Lego store or a downtown Disney, and actually install the models. And it takes a mass builder for the uh, most of the time to go out there and make sure that the the construction companies are actually doing the physical moving of the model don't break it and then right. uh and when they do break it which is inevitable uh we're there to fix it <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be it what's what's the worst break you've had like as far as finding the the carton and and oh it's, uh, uh... The, yeah you know what the worst break that i can remember actually i was down in sydney australia with a co-worker and we uh he sent me up i was i was tired i was beat we had just landed like Two days later, I was still jet lagged, and uh, my coworker was going to stay in a warehouse and move some models around because we were staging them up to be built, uh, sent over to the actual installation area uh, at the Sydney Wildlife World and Aquarium. And uh, he said, "Go back to the hotel, take a nap for a little while, then we'll come back. We'll hit it again after dinner." So I'm like, "All right, fine." So I, I, I'm halfway across the parking lot, and I get a call from him. He's like, "You got to come back." And I'm like, oh, this is not good. So, of course, I turn around, and I I know I'm not going to see anything good when I show up there. But he had uh, he had literally taken a forklift and, and ripped off half of Poseidon's waist and and, oh. and, and all the uh, sea life and the wave that was wrapped around him. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a large res- large repair down there. Oh, my gosh. Oh. 
Now, as mo- you mentioned the Poseidon, uh, how, how much of, do you have a percentage of how much of what you do is recreating things like the X-Wing or, or a Darth Vader and how much is kind of original uh, creations? Yeah, a lot of what's done here is uh, a lot of it's original creations because we don't take necessarily a pose that someone else uh, already did. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. the X-Wing, let's face it, it's an X-Wing, so it's already done. Sure. But even with Poseidon or or even if we're uh, creating a Jack Sparrow, we're going to put him in our own pose. We're going to make him look uh, as, as cool or dynamic as we possibly can. So a lot of it is our own creations here. Absolutely. Is there... Do you have a preference for doing something that's completely original versus versus adapting a, an existing character? Is Or are they both have kind of their own fun challenges? They definitely both have their own fun challenges because sometimes having to make something look exactly like uh, a real world a real world item is uh, in some cases a lot more difficult because mm-hmm. uh, if it's something recognizable uh, like a, a, a U.S. monument, like uh like the White House or something like that, it would be uh, difficult to more or less fake it and and not make sure. it look exactly the way it's supposed to. So they definitely both have their own challenges. Because everybody knows what the White House is supposed to look like. Exactly. So y- you, you have to hit all the key points or else it's going to be, oh, wait a minute, that, there's no door there. <laughs> exactly. What is this? Yep. Yeah, that's... Um, so you said five years you've been a master builder. Yep. What what do you see going forward? Like, you, do you have any projects specifically? Like, is there anything that you kind of hear about and you're like, oh, I'd like to work on that? <laughs> I mean, what how how does your workload go? Is it here's your assignment or is it this would be neat? How does that work? You know what's really good about what I do is that every day is really different. Uh, I, I can't say that I sit at my desk and build a model every day, but uh, I might be might be working on drawing up the steel that might be in that model. So that's kind of a different, uh, uh, you know, pace for that day. But in another day, I might be, you know, designing the display case that the model might be being displayed in. So we kind of have a pretty um, pretty laid-back way that we, we hand out work here. Um, and, and we really try to play to everyone's strengths. So there's a few of the people here that definitely handle more of the heavily designed sides of stuff. Uh, I have that more of a carpentry background and furniture woodworking background, so I definitely handle more of the display and steel design because I understand while certain things are going to be loaded, where pressures are going to be in order to make the model stable and strong. So um, it's it's every day is different. It really is different. So when you're when you guys are planning something out, like what kind of factors go into that plan? Like thinking how how big a brick can we use for this particular part? Can we you know do we have to use you know three six? Okay, actually here's a good frame of reference right here. I did a little bit of research uh, thanks to the media rep that I was talking to, and I'm now aware that they are not Legos; they are Lego bricks. Yes. And as far as that goes, what what is the vernacular for specific, like, uh, since I've always said, like, oh, this is a six-peg brick, this is a eight-peg brick, how do you guys refer to, like, what are the, some of the terms you use for the various pieces that you use and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, did she tell you what Lego means? Uh, play well, is it that does. correct? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. So, Lego is uh, two Danish words uh, combined to make play well. But uh, when we actually talk about uh, bricks, so we'll talk uh, about our basic brick. Let me see if I have one here. All right, yeah, here we go. So this one right here would be a two by eight. So you got two studs by eight studs. Um, they're all studs on top, uh, tubes on the bottom, which are the underside. And uh, so that's really how we talk about our bricks. So it's always a smaller uh, number by the larger number. And as far as the other little pieces, uh, the little cones or the the flagpole type deals, those are all referred to as elements. Is that right? Those are all elements, and we'll, they're all even the bricks. They're still elements, uh, but when we talk about them, we're talking about bricks. Um, when we talk about uh, you know cones, we'll we'll call them elements. You're right, but uh, generally they all have their own specific name too, which is uh, a lot of the names make absolutely no sense. <laughs> 
know uh, what they are, uh, but but they do all have their their own name. That's kind of one of the greatest things about Lego is when you you get a a kit and you open up the instructions and it's all just pictures. It's all like there's nothing to alienate anybody in any language, any reading level, anything else. They're they're such an all encompassing thing. You know, it's all about creation, and anybody can follow, you know, whether you do want to just build your own thing or whether you want to follow the instructions, it can be enjoyed by anyone. So, that, like, all the names, as much as, as interesting as it is to know that those elements have names, it's not something that Lego pushes on people. It, it, and it seems like inclusion is very much a, a part of Lego's philosophy. Absolutely is. Absolutely is. It's definitely about being creative, and it's definitely about... Uh, not really having anything in the way of a kid completing that set either. So there's tons and tons of time put into uh, the actual design of sets. Uh, anywhere from two to four years for an average Lego set is how long it takes to get from the design concept phase to the actual in-your-hands, uh, uh, you know, buying it off the shelf. Uh, so it's it's a pretty involved process, and... Lego, for one thing, takes great pride in our building instructions. So it really comes down to the fact that we want every kid to have the best building experience as they possibly can. We don't want them getting frustrated when they're building, too, because when they're getting frustrated, they're not having fun. So we want them to yeah. be able to, to build the model in a way that makes sense, that doesn't involve them flipping the model over tons of times, and, and that really makes uh, for an enjoyable building experience. What's funny, though, is there, and, and it is every single time, it totally makes sense. You look at the pictures, you follow along, but there's always that one moment where you're positive there's a piece missing. <laughs> every single set we've gotten, there's that one moment where you're like, this isn't in here. It's not in here. Where is this piece? And you, it's never the case. You're always just missing it, whether it's laying under one of the big flat pieces or whatever. But it's and it's almost like that's part of the Lego fun is having that moment of oh my gosh where is it? It definitely is. It's funny you say that because ninety nine percent of the time, even higher than that, I would say, uh, there are no missing pieces. They're all there. Uh, just yeah. you might have taken that cello bag that it came in, and that one little piece was in the corner of that bag, and you threw it in the trash and didn't even know it because it weighs nearly nothing. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, definitely, it's it's funny. It's funny you just say that because uh, the other thing that we get all the time is, oh, I was building my set on the carpet, and every time we hear that, it's like, ah, that's like, <laughs> that's like the the worst place to build it is on the carpet because if you if you have one of those shag carpets, everything is going to the bottom of that shag carpet, and you're never going to see it again. So, uh, so it it's it's funny. It definitely is funny. Yeah, not only is everything going to the bottom, but, you know, Legos on the floor, nobody wants that. Legos are sharp. You don't want to step on a Lego. <laughs> it's a whole meme. Everybody knows. But, yeah, we've actually got a building table that we use because, one, just in putting them together, you want a surface with resistance. So, you you know, you push them down, snap them together. Yep. yep. It just makes it a whole lot easier. Um, I guess in closing, well, you know what? What about, have you worked on anything directly related because i know that it's such a big phenomenon and it just came out on blu-ray uh the lego movie so just to get a little something about that in here for the listeners did you work on anything like models for the movie promoting the movie anything like that absolutely so we actually had the pleasure of uh creating the real bricksburg so if, oh, really? if you guys look at the live action right at the end there, uh, the last 15 minutes or so, that whole set uh, that Will Ferrell's character created uh, was uh -huh. actually created right here in uh, this shop and uh, by, by the seven master builders, including our entire uh, team of model builders here as well. So uh, I actually want to things I designed is actually uh, the prototype boards right behind me here. You can see it up here on the uh, my shelf, that crane way in the back there is the prototype for uh, one of the cranes that's in Bricksburg. Wow, that's fantastic. What what kind of specifications did you guys get for that? I mean, what did they say, we need this many buildings, we need them to be this high, or was it kind of like, you're Lego guys, you know what 
a Lego city should be. Yeah, so actually a lot of the direction came from Warner Brothers on this one. So uh, they had an Australian-based animation studio actually designing, uh, well, not designing, but creating the movie itself. And uh, what they did is they sent us a bunch of files of of things that they'd like us to try to recreate of stuff that was in the movie or they might be putting in the movie. Uh, and a lot of what they sent us was not buildable. <laughs> it was it was uh, just free-floating bricks and kind of just broad ideas of what to build. So so we kind of just took those uh, uh, general ideas that they sent us and, and ran with it and created our own uh, creations and made them actually buildable. And, uh, and then uh, and sent them off to uh, California uh, to actually uh, shoot for about three weeks was the time frame that uh, one of our other master builders, Paul, uh, Sean, was actually out there uh, uh, on set and actually got screen credit for it, too. And uh, he, <laughs> he spent uh, about three weeks out there actually uh, being the toy wrangler, they called him. So he literally was uh, – so if they needed to uh, take a shot from a certain angle – uh, Paul would have to go in there and remove buildings or move stuff aside so he could get a camera in there and stuff like that. So he had a lot of fun out there. Oh, Toy Wrangler. That's that's the most awesome movie <laughs> credit I've ever heard in my life. That's fantastic. What kind of time did you guys spend putting that city together? So all of this uh, that, that set happened within about five weeks. We had very little time. It, it, it literally happened so fast uh, I don't know if you've been involved or heard about how movies uh, are created but literally they everything's so last minute it's one of those just one of those natures yeah. of the beast and uh, and that's what happened with all this is it just happened so quickly and uh, we were able to still get out such a cool looking model that's awesome wow five weeks that's crazy man yeah that's not a lot of sleep there, huh? No, no. We had a lot of people working a lot of hours, that's for sure. Uh, before we wrap it up here, have you got any kind of pet projects, any favorite projects you've worked on over the years, like something that really you felt like, you know what, I I put even more of myself into this than normal just because it ended up being something you loved? You know, it's really hard to pick one project that you really just, you know, put it all into because really in the end we do for every one of our models because every one of our models is going to be viewed in uh by kids and inspire kids so it's definitely hard to pick just one but if i had to pick one that i like a lot and i would have to say light mcqueen is pretty high up there on the list he's he's just a pretty iconic looking character he's a car i mean you can't beat a car if you're a little kid and even adult i mean cars are just so especially cool in a race car so uh so that was definitely one of the ones i would say is, is pretty high on my list of, of fun projects and finally uh you will be at the kids fest what are you going to be doing there so at kids fest uh we're actually going to be doing some pretty cool things so we have the master builder academy classes that uh my father and i will be teaching and what we do there is we actually teach kids tips and tricks and skills as to how to become a better builder so uh, things like interlocking and sideways building. And uh, not only that, but when one person's in there, my father and myself are in building, uh, not building, but teaching the Master Builder cla- uh, Academy classes, the other Master Builder will be out wandering the, uh, the hall at Kids Fest and uh, just interacting and, and talking to kids about Lego and, and about what we do. Awesome. That sounds very cool, and we're so excited about the Kids Fest. There's, I've, I've got an overview of everything that's going on, and it really is uh, – there's not going to be any more interactive and awesome LEGO experience. <laughs> I mean, this is something that I, I – it's, it's really cool that LEGO's doing it. Yeah, there's really – there's pretty much anything for every kid out there, uh, whether or not they like being uh, – do, going, going with building instructions and, and actually, uh, you know – building something from instructions or if they like to just free build there's all sorts of different types of building as well as areas where we have interactive uh, events where we have mcs hosting certain areas uh the brick battle zone for example where kids will actually get to build a bridge uh that has to span a gap and lego mike will actually take some weights and weight down each bridge and a bridge that holds the most weight wins and that's probably one of the loudest and uh most 
uh, fun games we have there because it really gets a good crowd around it when when bridges start holding a lot of weight and when they smash it's loud and fun yeah that's actually one of the photos that that was sent to me was of the the i guess final moment of a bridge with the weight <laughs> dropping through it I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that well chris thank you so much for coming on the show i've had a great time talking to you man absolutely no problem and i uh, look forward to seeing you this weekend at the lego kids fest thank you very much great talking with you That was cool. I learned a whole bunch of stuff about Lego that I didn't know, uh, including the whole uh, Master Builder thing. That's wild. There's seven of those guys. Only seven. But nobody knows the secret origin of the Master Builders. Who was the first one? Where did they come from? It's all a mystery. That's crazy. But uh, Lego is, is such a unique thing that uh, it kind of makes sense that they would have something like that going on well that was awesome had a great time and remember check out itunes check out stitcher download the needless things podcast and visit needlessthingssite.com for more on movies music wrestling pop culture everything else we even have Lego reviews from time to time uh, from one of our contributors, Mr. R.T. Ewell, who can also be found on Amazon in the authors section. Uh, that's all I got for you right now. I'll be at Heroes Con this weekend, or uh, <laughs> this weekend. I was at Heroes Con this past weekend, I mean, past me, but uh, I'll have Heroes Con stuff for you next week, so tune in, check it out, uh, follow me on Facebook as L Phantasmus with a PH. Um, Twitter is Phantom Troublemaker. Instagram as Phantom Troublemaker. And of course, spread the word if you enjoyed this episode. Share it around the internet. Let people know. Give me exposure. I need it. That's all I got for you. Remember, I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.